about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I am Selena the Stripper, joined across the country by Cat Like Clover, who is with us via speakerphone. It's your lucky day, it's me Clover, what up? And uh, today our guest is mashing men's meat, Mistress Mia Action. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, Mia is a very dear friend of mine and a former lover. Hubba hubba. Uh, who is a <laughs> professional dominatrix, uh, but has worn many hats in the sex work field over the years. Um, and can, I could not be more thrilled to have you on the show today. Yes, thanks for having me. And uh, another thing is you came here from Philadelphia? Or wait, from Philly, right? Yeah, from Philly. Oh my gosh. And how long did it take you to get here today? Um, I left at nine and And just I feel got so here. special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're no. both in New York yeah. right now. Um, and so yeah, it's a uh, it's really like I've been feeling so blessed lately, just like uh, my guests coming up to hang and yes. we're having these great episodes and now we're gonna dive into some amazing things. So how are you doing? How's your body? My body, um, I'm exhausted because honestly, I was up all night um, working on, um, uh, so I'm in addition to the work that I do here, I'm also a studio assistant to a performance artist um, who's now Baltimore based actually. Um, oh, Amber? Yeah, Amber. Amber Hawk Swanson. Um, so I'm, I'm oh. still doing uh, remote work for her. So I was up all night researching dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> dolphins who had sex with people. Wow. People who had... Whoa. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff that I've read about like dolphins and human relationships becoming very romantic because dolphins are so intelligent. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, like a lot of... People are actually... They're fucking dolphins. dolphins? Well, yeah, so the whole premise of... Well, there's many premises, but um, one aspect of her work is discussing kind of the line of, like, uh, the ability for marine mammals to consent to these types of relationships within the context of being captive. Yeah. So... That's very true. So where does, uh, I mean, has Amber come to any conclusions or is it still like, I don't know yet? I think her work um, raises more questions than it ever gives answers, so. Okay, that yeah. sounds like art generally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, what is this? Uh, so that's crazy and amazing. I'm glad that you were researching that and I kept you up all night. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been... Um, I not expect to be all nighter. I know that's that's what an all nighter is for me. Um, I'm also pretty exhausted today. Um, I've just been going hard. I've been going hard, hanging with friends and enjoying uh, city life out here. And the rain uh, is maybe not helping. It was like torrential rain, like yesterday, mm. like yesterday evening, and some of this morning. And it's been like I mean I love it because I've missed precipitation because we don't get it in california we really don't get any rain out here anyway you guys uh this is how in the know 
Um, and I am Selena the Stripper, and we begin every segment or every show with a segment that we call Historical Hose. And this week's Historical Ho is Maya Angelou. I got most of my info from Wiki, Tits and Sass, and HuffPost. So, Maya Angelou, you know her as a Poet Laureate, Pulitzer nominee, Tony Award winner, best-selling author, poetess, winner of more than 50 honorary degrees, um, National Medal of Arts winner, Presidential Medal of Freedom winner. She uh, is a powerful woman artist and, surprisingly, a sex worker. Um, you probably know her for her books like Why I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings and and Still I Rise, and Phenomenal Woman and other acclaimed works. And she wrote books, and uh, she mentored Oprah on the side, and she worked with MLK and Malcolm X, and was friends with James Baldwin, lived all over the world, picked up something like five different languages throughout her life. So she was just an incredible woman, obviously. I mean, it's fucking Maya Angelou. So um, if you're not that familiar, I'm just going to go like a very, very, very cursory (laughs) look at Maya's life because obviously she has written extensively about her life through like somewhat fictionalized works. Um, Most of her work tends to be like somewhat autobiographical. So um, Maya Angelou, originally born Marguerite Annie Johnson, was born April 4th of 1928 in St. Louis, Missouri to Bailey Johnson, a doorman and Navy dietitian, and Vivian Baxter Johnson, a nurse and car dealer. A- Angelou's brother, Bailey Jr., nicknamed Marguerite Maya, derived from my or Maya sister. At the age of eight, while living with her mother, Angelou was um, sexually assaulted by her mother's boyfriend named Freeman. And uh, she told her brother, who told the rest of the family, and Freeman was found guilty but was jailed for only one day, and four days after his release, he was murdered. Uh, probably, this is speculation, by um, Angelou's uncles. So Maya stopped speaking for five years after that. Um, so at age 14, Maya and her brother moved back in with her mother, who was living in Oakland, and at 16, she became the first black female cable car conductor in San Francisco. Um, Three weeks after completing school at the age of 17, she gave birth to her son, Clyde. She married a Greek electrician. She took modern dance with Alvin Ailey and Ruth Beckford, um, which is incredible. She just, like, was dancing with Alvin Ailey. It's incredible. Um, So after Angelou's marriage ended in 1954, she danced professionally in clubs around San Francisco, including the nightclub, The Purple Onion. That's such a cool name. Yeah. (laughs) where she sang and danced to Calypso music. And up to that point, she went to uh, by the name of Marguerite Johnson or Rita. But at the strong suggestion of her manager she and the supporters of the Purple Onion, she changed her professional name to Maya Angelou. So in a memoir, uh, in a 1974 memoir titled Gather Together My Name, she detailed her history as a madam and full-service sex worker. In the 1940s, uh, Rita became an absentee manager for two lesbian full-service sex workers in San Diego. When threatened with incarceration and with losing her son for illegal activities, she and Clyde escaped to her grandmother's home in Stamps, Arkansas. But several years later, she also she herself worked as a full-service sex worker. 
She says, quote, I wrote about my experiences because I thought too many people tell young folks I never did anything wrong. Who moi? Never I. I have no skeletons in my closet. In fact, I have no closet. <laughs> That's pretty bold. Um, so, yeah, she's just, she was not repentant about it, and she does detail uh, her history of working as a madam and uh, as entering into uh, full-service sex work in her book. So I would suggest checking out the book Gather Together in My Name. Um, it's one of her many autobiographical works. So yeah, shout out to Maya Angelou. Right? Is it uncommonly known that she's a sex worker or that she was? Yeah. I mean, she didn't keep it a secret, but I don't think I ever was told. Well, I think it's like, it's like one of those things that people don't put into your obituary for the mm-hmm. most part, unless like that's like one of your core things or whatever. But it just, I don't know, it seems like with Maya Angelou, they tried to clean up everything that happened. I mean, yeah. And also, yeah. also, um, from my understandings about what I learned about her as a younger person, the way it's framed is much more um, like she was some kind of victim versus yeah. like that this is an important part of her narrative. So mm-hmm. like it was very cool to hear you, you know, kind of frame it in this way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like she was out and young and like trying different things and had to support her family. And, you know, she made all kinds of, fun choices like dancing nightclubbing being in sex work you know pretty dope um and it's you know it's always great to do historical hose because you just find out all of the good company you are in but the other thing about historical hose which is something that i'm interested in is like what about bad historical hose because we've definitely had some people who are very questionable but they are kind of in the hoe club like uh i was about to do uh a historical hose thing about Didi Ramon from the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's deeply pro- problematic. Like, he's this um, just the uh, cynical mm-hmm. white guy who had a real love of like Nazi paraphernalia from the sun, like, just in a punk way and mm-hmm. did a lot of drugs and all of that. And I mean, he's just is not an empowering figure per se but he is a historical hoe he did work he worked the streets and he wrote some music about it as well so um it's a complicated history yeah there's uh sex workers in all stratifications of society and it doesn't always fit into this neat framework of you know yeah and i think think. the other thing is um You know, Maya Angelou, I don't know exactly the context of her sex work. I have not read the book to be clear, full disclosure. But, um, I mean, it is totally valid that a lot of people go into survival sex work. Um, And I think we see that especially with some of our, like, upcoming people um, that we'll talk about who are trans sex workers. um, Because, like, survival sex work is very integral to a lot of people's lives. And it's part of our narrative. But anyway, thoughts aside. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Get amped. Yeah. <laughs> How long have we known each other? We have known each other since 
I think I met you, the first time I met you would have been um, sometime in 2015, I think. Oh, yeah. So, God, like four-ish years now. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and we have performed together. Yeah. A pro- probably at least twice, maybe more than that, maybe three times. Uh, we're both performance artists uh, at times. At and, times, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we... I, th- I think you're in my senior thesis show. I was in your senior, and yes. you were in mine. Yes, and I was in your senior thesis yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so mine was mine was kind of just, uh, it was kind of like group discussions about like race relations and, and identity politics, and yours was a real performance, and it was um, the student lounge event, and it was where we created... Uh, a strip club that was themed like the like the uh, main building of our of our college campus mm-hmm. and um, dancers of all sizes uh, colors sexual orientations gender expressions all got up and had the opportunity to strip and create this club and it was this like um, interesting experience of of talking about like what we had to do to make it through college and just just so many things it was like a very complicated event oh do you want to talk was... more about it at all um yeah i could totally talk more about it. i haven't thought about it actually a whole lot in a while so it's, <laughs> it's always cool to hear other people kind of say what their impression was of it so um yeah i mean kind of what you said is pretty accurate um my it was it was it was yes this like strip club event but this kind of performance existed um it was pretty durational and i would say existed over the span of like a year um and embodied many different spaces including the use of um dating websites um so these personas that my friends and peers created um some of them were sex workers some were not so selena was um at the time a sex worker um a cam model mm-hmm. right yeah and at that time i was camming camming and i actually drove you to your first um strip club audition oh yeah did you oh man. yeah 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 i uh don't remember if that was the night that I like was told to come back. That was. Like, oh God, that was so debilitating. Oh right. Oh fuck yeah. 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 I drove you, and then you were like, "Oh, they told me to come they back." They told me to come back. Like call and like come back tomorrow. I was like, "Fuck," and I, and it it just had taken so much like uh, courage at that point, or just like you know trying to build up that courage to walk in. And then to like be um, shot down. Be shot and that down. feeling it's so common. It's like yeah. it happens like half of the time that you audition mm-hmm. is like, you know, you're gonna be told, Oh, you can't Yeah, because you, you had like or, come over and we were like doing your makeup like we did mm-hmm. your makeup and got you all hyped up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's such a fucking uh buzzkill, I guess. But I mean it in the end, you know. It, yeah, in it, the it end worked it worked out, out fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, and so I was working at that particular strip club at the time. And then we had, I think, one other friend mm-hmm. um, who was involved in the performance who was also a sex worker. Mm-hmm. I think the rest were not yet. Several of them went on Sonya, to be sex right? workers. Uh, Sonia. Um, yes, I believe it was Sonia. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, Mistress Mia, how would you describe your occupation? So, I, when I thought about this question, um, words that came to mind were, um, it's definitely sex work. You know, it's, it is sexual labor. Um, there's definitely therapeutic elements. I do feel like I do a lot of educating and, like, teaching and working with people um, on self-actualization. <laughs> but it, to be clear, yeah. like, if you were to... Just the broad title. Yeah, sex worker. And then the secondary title would be dominatrix. Dominatrix. But I think a dominate like I think dominatrixes are sex workers. Like Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it's like the umbrella is yeah. like the sex worker. But, yeah. But your particular thing would be Ah, I see. Um yeah, so primary occupational title I guess would be sex worker. I guess I haven't really thought about that in a while, because yeah, I guess I did embody different like, yeah you've done so many I've things. done other things so you've, you've yeah. been a stripper you've cam camming you've cammed. some sugaring like you do a little. currently cam right intermittently or no 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 I don't know I hated camming well okay, like yeah <laughs> if now yeah it didn't work for me like on like the traditional camming sites and I'll and I'll talk a little bit more yeah, about why course. that was but I mean I totally I mean camming yeah, you didn't, sites didn't work for me very well work. either yeah and I mean I was just talking to my guest yesterday and their um problems with it were I mean a lot of it was promotional stuff and needing to be on every single every platform all the time all the time no breaks mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't handle that yeah and yeah. like having to because each time someone new comes in, they're looking at you and they're wanting you to, they're like, oh, you you just, they just came in, so they matter and you have to perform exactly for them. So you have to be like mm-hmm. happy and like um, looking happy to be there and engaged like every yeah. fucking second. Like, oh, wow, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're just, you know, kind of meeting all of these people, but really they're mostly just demanding at you in your direction. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's like so much just getting into camming. Um, mm-hmm. But currently, you kind of make the, the majority of your money through being a pro dom. Yes. So Almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, almost all of it. So to mm-hmm. kind of get into that framework, um, what does a pro dom do? Um, so I think that people have an idea in their head about that a pro dom is one thing. And that pro-doms all, you know, kind of embody the same types of services. And that's not really true. But I guess, generally speaking, a pro-dom is um, a sex worker who um, caters to people that have alternative sexualities. So, um, and alternative sexuality, I mean, is pretty just self-explanatory, but mm-hmm. means that it's people that have sexual interests that might not be the norm so would that would kink and fetish be it within that or would it would like the alternative sexualities be like the broader kind of term for yeah things that also include you know kink and fetish so alt sex or alternative sexuality would be the broad umbrella term for kink fetish bdsm um various so do, things so do you like feel that. like um so i feel like there's like a conflation of kink and fetish yeah with bdsm but Mm -hmm. do you feel like that is um 
untrue, like if that is not always the case. Yeah, I mean, so kink and fetish um, can be the term. The two terms can be used interchangeably. People understand them to mean the same thing, but if you're looking at like the 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 background of like what a fetish is, you know that that or that originates from like a pathologizing of um, specific types of sexual interests. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's like one of those like terms used by earlier psychologists that have kind Correct. of evolved over time. Yes. And I actually don't know the origin of the word kink, but mm-hmm. I don't think it has the same I thought, connotations. I think like fetish was like um, one of those Freudian terms or something. Yeah, I was looking. I can't remember what the name of the guy was, but I was actually looking at it last night of the guy who was the first one to coin the term fetishism from in a sexual context because a fetish is traditionally an object or a a non-human i think an object that carries specific like um religious significance or like otherworldly significance that's like the that's what a fetish is actually Hmm. like that's what the word originates from Hmm. Mm mm-hmm and then I, I always understood it as like um, like a stand-in thing. Yeah. So like exactly. You, you mm-hmm. would like impose like your feelings or eroticism or something onto something that is not typically seen as erotic or right a non-erotic object. Right. But that becomes erotic to you. That becomes erotic to you based on the yeah the meaning you apply to it. What is a fetish, and how does general kink diverge from um, DS play? And what characterizes a DS relationship? Also, could you clarify the term DS for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, first, um, the question was, what is a fetish? A fetish, historically, was a term that described a pathologized or um, and or non-normative sexual or erotic interest. And originally, uh, fetishes are considered to be mental illnesses, actually. Or like having a fetish or what we would call today a kink would be classified as um, a mental illness or a disturbance. Um, And it wasn't until very recently, like within the past few years, it wasn't until very recently that um, fetishism or paraphilias were taken out of the DSM as being a mental illness. And the stipulation is, unless the activity causes the individual significant distress or is, and quote, and I say this in quotations, harmful to oneself or others, because I think- Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's a complicated line to draw. Right. Especially if you like pain or if you like- Yeah. To see those, like if you like to see marks or things like that. Sure, yeah, because I I think that um, harm and what is considered risk too risky or too harmful, uh, you know, is kind of dependent on the person and the context. So Mm -hmm. that's why I kind of say is harmful to oneself or others in air quotes. And um, also despite the fact that, you know, it's out of the DSM, that doesn't mean that there isn't still a great deal of stigma. Um, And I'd say like misunderstanding about what it means to be a kinky person. Definitely. Yeah. And I think there is, like, a lot of uh, negative language around it, like, you know, like, they're, like, a freak or, like, they're... Pervert. Pervert. Which is my personal favorite. Yeah. I think pervert is, it's, like, kind of cute. <laughs> it's literally on my business card. Yeah. I have the word pervert on I mean, my I, business I like card. it as, like, a as a reclaimed term. Yeah. 
But so fetish is also a colloquial term for um, any type of alternative sexual subculture, or as many people call it, like alternative sexuality or alt sex. But fetish, the term fetish and kink is also for many people who, you know, are regularly using alt sex jargon. They're like interchangeable. They're interchangeable. But for many people who are like um, really immersed in talking about it, there are some distinctions in what a fetish and a kink is. I've oh, heard, I really want to know. OK, I've heard me. some people say that a fetish is, as we've kind of like said, it's some well, I guess we haven't actually gone into it yet. No, just go it. Um, We're going in. So a fetish is um, typically like an interest or um, an object or a situation that someone fixates on that has an erotic charge, basically. So it will be a stand-in for um, more normative sexual interests. Okay. A kink is more of like an activity okay Um, a kink is like an erotic activity like i mean that makes sense like activity versus like an object or like yeah 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 so like enjoying being watched or something is different than enjoying like you know feet or or like or the smell of like well actually i would say that you can be a fetishist and be interested in those specific things and Mm -hmm. um for example like um, a fetishist can be drawn to or fixated on a specific scenario such as smothering for example like someone could be a fetishist if instead of being interested in you know what we would consider to be normative normative sexual intercourse type things someone might only fantasize or be interested in engaging in being smothered under someone's ass for example like being farted on or being farted on i get a lot of people yeah that's a big thing yeah it's a big thing yeah yeah um so um you mentioned something about gloves so like what what about these gloves yeah so you know people talk a lot about um shoes like shoes is the i'd say like the most common fetish that people hear about really like what do they want in like a fetish object shoe everyone's different yeah okay well that's yeah that's great yeah so you know you hear you know people like oh i want to worship your high heels and like lick this the spiky part but then there are people who want used sneakers yeah they want they do they want like the Whoa. smell or do they want the wear yeah do they want like a picture of your feet in it like all of the above all of the above. all of the above <laughs> it could be any combination of those things um and so i specifically like put down gloves as an example because that there's someone that i'm talking to currently that um has a glove fetish so um this person you know um is interested in say he's interested in spanking and he's interested in breath play and things Mm -hmm. like that but he's only interested in those things if his partner is wearing gloves oh yes oh so do you ever like ask your clients the origins of their fetishes like doesn't do people tell you or volunteer that information or do you just ask some people um tell me and some people volunteer it and a lot don't Hmm. and a lot of people don't know oh yeah yeah a lot of people just don't know either because they really can't pinpoint it or there are a lot of people that um 
don't prefer to be introspective or self-aware and that's i guess i guess that's fine too but um <laughs> yeah i'm i'm always wanting to understand the mechanisms behind everything but some people are just like that's just what i like and that's what it is and i don't need to agonize over figuring out why i want to be smothered or, yeah, or something why? like that. I don't know. Yeah. Spank me with latex gloves with on. With latex gloves on, <laughs> exactly. It, it, yeah, because ultimately, like, does it really matter what the origin is at the end of the day if it's not causing any distress? Another thing that you talk about um, that we've talked about before is you've had this, like, at least one client who has had, a, like, a smelly feet fetish. Mm-hmm. Could you go into what that experience was like and how how specifically they requested this yes so i've had i actually have several people that have smelly foot fetish interests Um, a couple people in real life and a couple people online so i also in addition to doing real-time work i i do create custom videos and i also do phone sex on um a company with a company called night flirt Oh, cool. I'm yeah. so interested in that. So um, how is Night Flirt for you generally? Night Flirt is really, really cool. Um, I'd say it's it's um, it's pretty interesting. I don't actually always understand. I'm not like I'm not an expert in using it, but like I kind of use it to like sometimes if someone wants to, you know, discuss um, something they'd like to do in person in more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll encourage them to give me a call on Night Flirt and we can talk about it. And if they decide they were just, you know, trying to fantasize, then I got compensated for that time. That and definitely makes so much sense because in my experience camming, I have a lot of time wasters mm-hmm. who just mm-hmm. want to run through the hypotheticals of their fantasy and then they just get off in the process. Right. And they're just wow. trying to, like, you know, milk you for your time and for your attention. So much of that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so um, this particular person, we actually were texting. So there is a mm-hmm. there is a way to do like text messaging through Night Flirt. Oh, I mean, that makes so much sense. I was like, how is phone sex continuing on? Like, yeah. In the, the digital age. I mean, there is something that is very intimate about talking to somebody and not seeing their face. Yeah. And just imagining and having that fantasy. And, and it's easier to like suspend your disbelief um whenever you can't see them and you're just like i'm a gorgeous six foot zero blonde with giant boobs just amazing watermelon boobies and a booty (laughs) and i just want to smother you with my farting ass (laughs) and you could be anybody yes um so a lot of people who do phone sex don't actually use their own pictures they will use pictures of other people that they, I guess they buy them from them. Yeah. Um, I don't do that. I use my oh, pictures. They, I didn't know that they like bought them. I thought it was just kind of like, you know, you Google search and then you find like a stock photo. Some people might do that, but I also know like some people will like buy a photo set from someone to make it more believable that it is actually them. So they're playing this character. That's smart. Yeah. That's smart. I like this kind of like collaborative thing between sex workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. But for me, I I just use my own pictures um, because I'm not, I don't, my doming persona isn't really all that much of a persona, I'd say. Like, it's pretty close to who I actually am. And so my brand, I guess, in quotes, would be, 
just a slightly hyperbolized yeah. version of myself. A slightly like more curated version of yourself. Yeah. Your craft. Yeah, exactly. That makes yeah. sense. Um, so what could you quickly uh, go back to the describing what a DS relationship is? Yes. So um, DS refers to dominance submission. Um, and that basically refers to um, a relationship or relationships where um, the dominant partner um, is dictating certain terms of a relationship and the submissive person is ceding control to the dominant person based on the certain parameters that are negotiated between both people. So that can extend to anything as simple as... Um, giving a good night text requiring that a submissive person gives a good night text at a certain time all the way up to like full control of where someone goes and what they wear and um how they walk and what they eat and all of the things so it's definitely a spectrum i remember whenever i was in a kinky polycule one of the like kind of smaller um like submissive tasks that I had was to kiss them goodbye if I left in the morning so it was like mm -hmm. I had to do that before I couldn't just leave and it was like a it was definitely like a power exchange thing because you know sometimes you like hook up with people and you just want to slip away right but it was important and it was part of the dynamic that like now I have to give each of them a goodbye kiss Oh, so it, this was, you were hooking up with a group of people who were all dating each other, yes, and yes. you were the submissive. I was one of the or submissives. Or you were one of the submissives. Yeah. Very interesting. How long did that go on for? It went on for um, several months. I don't even recall how many, oh, like three, three cool. to six months or something. So what would happen if you didn't do it? Um, they would punish me in some way, so it depended on... So it was very much like uh, they were... They were so patient and amazing, and it was very much like the trial and error stage of like me exploring kinkiness. So it was like, you know, maybe the punishment, oh, one of the punishments was this kind of like sensory deprivation like thing. So I was had like a, like a sleep mask on to like cover my eyes, and then I had headphones in that they were like, what's the worst thing that you could be listening to? And they <laughs> decided that it was Taylor Swift. And then they had, like, a vibrator that was, like, programmed to the beat of her song. And so, like, they put the vibrator in me and, like, uh, I was... <laughs> that woman, they, I, they had me listening to Taylor Swift and, like, vibing with Taylor Swift going. <laughs> it was... Oh, my God. I was like, fuck. <laughs> so that would happen if you didn't give them a kiss goodbye? Um, I mean, that, that might happen. Okay. Would it happen at a later time? It would happen at a later time. Okay. There wouldn't be an immediate, like, punishment. Yeah. Okay. Because it was... They come and find you when you leave. <laughs> <laughs> they would come and find me when I least expected it. That is... I did not know that about you. That is funny. Yeah. It was... I mean, it was definitely um, something that I had to try, and I was, I've always been interested in. So, so how long have you been in the pro-dom field? So, I've been um, working as a pro-dom for, I'd say, about three years um, but it was if uh, it was a fairly organic process. Um, I got little tastes of 
kind of kink and BDSM and fetish when I was working at the strip clubs because, you know, you'd have your obligatory kinky people coming in and well, asking what the strippers. What kinds of kinky things did people request of you as a stripper? Well, one of the th- things that comes to mind, the, the first things that comes to mind was um, someone bought a private room with me and just wanted me to sit there um, while they licked my knee pits like (laughs) (laughs) so like licked the back of your knees so I was just sitting like I would sit on the couch with my like leg up in the air and he was just like like just like like slobbering (laughs) on yeah the back of my knees that was really interesting yeah I wouldn't yeah I would say that was kink like fetish I wouldn't necessarily say that I was like dominating him in any kind of Mm -hmm. way but that was a really interesting experience. And have you? Did you experience any other types? I did. I did experience someone who was who came in who was interested in financial domination, mm. who basically like thrust it at me. Like I, I mean, I mean, that's how these people that are interested in financial domination are. They like come at you full force generally. Oh, so um, what was what was their angle? So, I mean, he came in and just was like, you are so amazing, and like, just gave me like, I mean, at the time to me, it just seemed like a lot of money. I don't know, I don't remember how much it actually was, but I just remember like, he had this huge stack of ones, mm-hmm. and like, in the course of like, an entire song would just like, they would be gone, and then like, um was giving me money it like started in ways that were still seemed pretty like you know standard for you know what a good paying stripping customer would do but then it was turned into like i want like i want you to like tell me to go to the atm and like take out more money yes Um, like i want you to like reach your limit and then call your bank to extend it yes because he literally was like i don't know if i have more money and i was like oh i feel bad but then he was like i'm gonna go to the atm and get more like do you Mm -hmm. want me to get more oh wow Uh, i mean it sounded like he was really aroused by that yeah he was and then like while he was like buying these lap dances from me was like asking me to um shove his head into the wall and spit in his mouth and slap him and stuff so he wanted the humiliation the humiliation yeah Uh Mm -hmm. he really wanted to be the pay pig yes he did and it was a lot of fun so that was my that was probably my first experience with anything financial domination related um and so then afterwards you so you were not doming full-time for a while and then you kind of made the transition yeah so what what happened and how and uh, how did you start to build a clientele um well my i would say while i was doing the stripping like um you know i was also using okay cupid kind of in this like pseudo sex work mm-hmm. kind of way and i don't know for any civilians who are uh, listening to this, dating sites were made for sex workers and we use them. Or I guess we used to use them until now we're kicked off and can't use them. Yeah, now we're kicked off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the reason you have your free dating site is because sex workers, it's because of sex workers, in can my you, opinion. You think? How, how can you. Uh, I mean, talk I can't prove that? it, but I just. I mean, I think that. Um, just in the same way that like social media i think and the internet was made possible by sex workers because sex workers is what made those things lucrative 
I mean, I guess I could kind of see that. Like, if you can say the internet is for porn or things like that. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, one of the biggest industries and a lot of these, like, thriving industries are in adult entertainment and sex work. Porn, diet pills, and vitamins, I think, are, like, the three biggest (laughs) uh, industries on the internet. Huh. I've heard that somewhere. I I gotta look it up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you started on OkCupid. Yeah. And you were kind of, like, what did your profile look like to find customers. So that was during the time that I was working on my senior thesis, the student lounge. So each of us had um, our um, our personas that um, we kind of cultivated that were, you know, kind of these satirical personas that kind of spoke to the ways that we felt like either um, marginalized, um, by higher education Mm -hmm. um so i had this i basically i had this person this weird like vapid like stripper persona cindy cindy (laughs) yeah can you describe cindy oh i don't even fucking know oh cindy was cindy's um cute and kind of just like spastic (laughs) and cindy would just like walk into uh civilian spaces and just like go into stripper routines yeah basically yeah (laughs) like the whole world was her strip club yeah and every man was her daddy yes (laughs) um so i had this this okay cupid profile that was supposed to just be a joke but then i was like getting people that were like no like actually i want to give you money and I want to I want to give you money to do weird things to me, and that was um, my first. Aside from that um, financial domination experience I had at the strip club, um, the other one would have been worthless whore. That was what we called him. Mm. Um, who sent me? I think he sent me like three hundred dollars or something, but was like just wanted to talk about how he wanted um, me and my girlfriends to laugh at him and to, like, uh, spit in his mouth. Oh, yeah, and things like I that. Do you remember that. him? I remember him. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, so that was, um, that was probably my first um, introduction into um, what we call wankers. So what is a wanker? A wanker is basically, I mean, he didn't start off as a wanker because he did give me money, but, um, but then just tried to milk me for as much of my time for free as possible yeah and just over and over again like what do you like if if i was in front of you like what would you do to me like oh my god these like clients yes time wasters a wanker and a time waster is basically one and the same Mm -hmm. yeah in the strip club we call them time wasters and yes i think like we call them we call them both both yeah wankers mm-hmm. and time wasters yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like basically people who contact sex workers um in hopes of getting something and even just an email back from them so that they can jerk off to it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so who was your first client my first like actual yes your client. first formal client. yeah my first formal client um contacted me on FetLife, which is, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with what FetLife is, FetLife is an... The oldest website in the universe. <laughs> I know, it's so, yeah, it's very archaic. I, it's it's just like that the coding for it is so old, it was never updated. It's yeah. like 20 years old. It's or really old. Like that. 
It's like this blacked out website that feels like somebody's MySpace page, but just for kinksters. Yeah, it's a it's a social networking site for people that are into kink, fetish, BDSM, things like that. Um, so I had somebody contact me um, and say he wanted me to smother him um, and that he had seen other girls... Um, to sit on his face, but they weren't aggressive enough, and he, like, really just wanted someone to really hurt him. Um, But he didn't say anything about paying me, and I just was getting really irritated. This was, like, before I had set up anything, like, before I had... I had taken a little bit of a break from sex work, Mm -hmm. um, but was learning at that time and was, like, doing a lot of research about the industry and about the lifestyle and things like that. Um, And was learning about setting boundaries um, with the, this very specific breed of person um, that will contact you on um, kink sites and um, try to get basically free wanking material uh, mm-hmm. from you. So this person had contacted me saying what I had already described, and I just was really irritated. So I was like, okay, um, if you want that, you have to pay me X amount of dollars. Yeah. And um, he said, okay. Okay. Um, so I was like, oh, cool. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Um, and it was like really funny because my boyfriend at the time, who is um, submissive, mm-hmm. um, who has now basically become like my full time bodyguard whenever I like do anything. Like he drives me, he's my driver and my bodyguard and all the things. Yes. Oh, sorry, dropped something. Um, but he's he's been very good and at times he's. Um, he, he mentioned that he like some has hidden in a closet before. Oh yes, I yeah. <laughs> um, when I went to um, Florida, I had a client at an Airbnb, and um, yeah, he hid in the clo- in the closet um, while I was having the session because I didn't know this person's like he wouldn't give me his legal information, and I wanted the session, so I was like, all right, well, yeah, just hang out in the closet. Security. So <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's so wholesome. And he was so sick. He had a horrible cold, and he was Aww. just laying on the ground in the closet. Poor baby. We always joke. And, <laughs> he, he, and he couldn't a, even enjoy it. Oh, no. He wouldn't. He was. He's not. It's not. I don't think he would enjoy it like that. No, anyway. you don't think he would? It's not like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. I, I think he's into, like, the idea of, like, serving me, like, I can talk about that more. Like, he's definitely has, he, like, gets off on the idea that he's, like, serving a sex worker Mm -hmm. and, like, being my bitch. Yeah. And so he gets off on that, but not on necessarily, like, hearing the session or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's someone else's fantasy. Yeah, he doesn't care either way, I don't think. Okay. But, yeah, so this, so he drove me to my, um, to my session and, you know, waited outside and I went to this person's house and... Um, was probably a little overzealous and because he said he wanted me to really fuck his face up so mm-hmm. I did and what did you do how did you fuck his face up well so he so there's um, with smothering people um, it's not only about like putting your ass on their face it's also about like some people like what's called butt drops mm. which is where um, the person with the butt mm-hmm. will um, fall onto the face uh-huh. of the person laying down or onto their chest. Oh. Yes. Okay. Did um, this person want butt drops on their face or yes. on their 
both chest okay so i'm basically just like jumping up and down on this person's face oh wow and thrusting i had i had um i started with my jean shorts on so and so so that's even scratching yeah scratching the shit out of his face and Uh stuff yeah and then so wait um for and then i did underwear that i want to know did he pay you up front yes okay awesome yes he did so yes, he was then, good. He was very good. And did he specify that he wanted you to kind of like start off clothed and then? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. So it's like a yeah. So I actually don't unveiling. get. I don't for the most part. Not I mean not in doming. Um, one of my things is CFNM, which is clothed female, nude male, or I guess it could be CDNS, which is clothed dominant naked submissive to make it gender inclusive i like that um which is like my preference um so a lot of the people i see like that so like a lot of people like they don't even give a shit if you're naked like Mm -hmm. they actually would prefer if you are clothed Mm -hmm. because it kind of creates this it's a kind of a power a power differential that they're naked and they're vulnerable and i'm clothed and in control wow yeah so did you give the guy bruises I don't think I gave many bruises, oh. but um, that would be that would be pretty intense to cause bruising by um, ass smothering. Mm-hmm. But but I'm up for the challenge. How did he, how did he react to it? <laughs> like, so I mean, you you're you know smashing him, you're butt dropping on him. Um, <laughs> you do hear him like you know gasping or yeah like, and or is writhing like, around ooh, and writhing like, in like a sensual way or like in, in a, like a struggling to <laughs> live <laughs> like a squished bug <laughs> oh god i mean he um he was clearly aroused though yeah so um and yeah was, was it like in an obvious way like erection aroused or was yes. it like in a okay the whole time okay great yeah mm-hmm. how long did the session last it was an hour i believe mm-hmm. okay that's not that long but yeah I mean, that's still that is a long that's time. a long time to have someone yeah. actually smothering i don't know why face. i'm saying that's not a long time Let's that is actually <laughs> a long time for that yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a very high impact yeah literally mm-hmm. <laughs> so like how did this experience well, how, is, how is that for you though does that eventually for an hour it can be physically um i guess taxing you know it's a workout but it's a lot of squats yeah, it's like a lot sure. of squats yeah kind of, right? well you're on the bed generally oh, so that's, that's yeah better. they're laying on the bed or like laying with their head off the bed like some people will do like the head is off the bed and you can stand and just kind of put your weight on their face mm-hmm. i was on the bed and just kind of dropping mm-hmm. um onto his face <laughs> so oh i mean no it didn't was it, didn't it from hurt full me. standing or was it from a kneeling like? i think a couple times it was full standing wow um oh my god not the that wasn't the whole time though because yeah. i think it got really intense for him so then we like slowed down at, at uh, the end and did you so like halfway after a through. point was it like you just sitting on him yeah kind of sitting on him and maybe just and, like, like moving around on his face or something yeah with oh, my ass. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So what was uh, something that you didn't expect that happened? Or did you were you able to kind of anticipate everything? Did it go as smoothly as you th- imagined? It Honestly, I couldn't have had 
I likely could not have had a better first out call experience. Like I was very lucky. Um, I felt very comfortable with the person. Um, and I mean, that's so ideal. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was, it was a really good first experience for doing that. So whenever you found him, were you looking for a particular kind of client or was it just like anybody see, you know, cast a wide net, see who I catch? Totally. So at that time I was definitely, and I still am, you know, to an extent, um, but definitely more so then, um, learning about what my brand was and learning about, you know, what I actually wanted to offer, what I did and didn't like. And mm-hmm. that definitely has evolved over time. And, you know, part of this work is also seeing what types of clients you do attract mm-hmm. just by virtue of, you know, what you look like yeah. or, you know, what your personality is like mm-hmm. or, you know, can all you describe types yourself? Yeah. So, my, you mean so like my brand or... Yeah, describe your brand, describe yourself however you feel like describing yourself. Yeah, so at this point, um, I would classify myself as a white... I mean, always been white. Mm-hmm. It's not at this point. <laughs> at this point. Um, I found out today. No. <laughs> um, BBW. Um, Big, beautiful woman. Yeah, so fat. That's... A euphemism for yeah, fat, yeah. but in the you know fetish adults um, you know adult industry world, BBW is what a lot of people use. So mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, super in fetish ke- and also in porn and in porn too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not personally super keen on the term, but um, it's not so bad that I'm like I cringe at using it or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically just a way to um, convey a certain um, offering to a group of people. So, yeah, you know, it's definitely like a marketing thing. I mean, I remember uh, doing like camming. I had to classify myself and I used terms like ebony. I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, it's like definitely like not a term that I use colloquially or ever for myself. But within the context of porn, there are certain tags that we use to classify ourselves and make ourselves searchable right. to our demographics. Exactly. Yeah, and when I first um, got into prodoming and when I um, you know, first put my website up, I was less fat. So it, it's been interesting in becoming more fat. Um, like you were small fat i was a small fat then and now i'm i don't know a fat fat i don't know mid fat mid fat yeah probably mid fat it's kind of sometimes it can be hard to you know yeah yeah there's degrees of everything degrees of everything exactly um so i was definitely a small fat um when i started and so bbw didn't quite even feel like the appropriate term for me at that time you're very petite too i'm also petite quite short i'm very short yes so like how many people do you see advertising themselves as a petite bbw like almost sounds big woman like what that's almost sounds paradoxical it does yeah but it's true yeah yeah for me personally it is um so yeah, and so at this point, it's just undeniably um, a part, it has to be, you know, yeah. kind of a part of my branding, which is like, 
in some ways has been like a, a good experience like coming to terms with that and accepting that and also like challenging with like the barriers that the systemic barriers that um you know fat people face in society and also you know and then of course um sex work is a part of society so within the sex work um field in general um there's definitely stigma um what have and you discrimination. Um, well, for one thing, um, you know, it's um, there definitely are pay differentials just in the same way as that black and brown um, sex workers are often forced to um, work for less money, work for less money, work it's more and work more and denied spaces. Absolutely. It's the same. It's not the same, but there are similarities, similarities yeah. in being fat. Um, so, you know, of course, if you're a fat black sex worker, there's even, you there's know, even, more barriers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all of those things are true. Um, and it also seems like you've kind of drawn, like you've drawn a clientele that look for certain, that have certain perceptions of fat people. Sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Some in terms of like what we've discussed, like the negative people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I definitely some of them have, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. That's been, I would actually say, a small um, a small group of the clientele that I have is like that and they don't last very long. That's good. That's yeah. Good. And what's, I'm. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. What's um, one of the perceptions that people have had about fat people yeah about fat sex workers fat or sex fat workers women or like what, what's like a, something that they've like looked for that's been like fat specific fat specific yeah yes. well one of them was we were talking a little bit about the smelly foot guy that i don't think we ever even actually got to the story yeah, but like i want to hear the story yeah so the story is basically i talked to this guy on night flirt for like a month um who contacted me and was like you are just like perfect um like i have so I market myself, um, one of the, the things that I offer is humiliation and degradation and like psychological mm -hmm. um, play. So this person, um, you know, contacts me and says um, he's interested in his, his username was Vinegar Feet, first of all. Hmm. Um, okay, so, so that like, brings up a certain like, idea and smell. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, this person had a very specific and um, complex um, web of fetishes that were all interconnected and um, manifested in this very irritating way. And I wouldn't say that he was irritating except for the fact that he was a douchebag. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he has this fetish for smelly feet, but specifically being forced to sniff and lick, lick extremely smelly feet. That's not the part that's annoying. Um, on top of that, he likes to be blackmailed into doing those things. So he has a fetish for wearing black tights. Okay. So is it black like pantyhose. a is it like a sissification kind yes. of thing? Yes. Okay. But being forced to be oh. blackmailed mm -hmm. into doing it more. Oh, okay. And then on top of that, once I have pictures of him wearing his tights, he then wants to be blackmailed into being forced to get a boyfriend and be fucked. Oh. And it even went so far as for him saying he wanted me to, and quote, like blackmail and force him into taking hormones, which I had actually never experienced before. But there is actually a group of people that are in, that have fantasies about that, about like forced feminization to the degree that they are being forced to medically transition. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
And this person, in addition to that, um, was very turned on by the idea of Antifa. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Antifa. Yeah, Antifa. Yeah, so... Um, Wait, you really say that? I thought it was just Antifa. Like anti fascism or anti fascism? Yeah, anti fascism. Yeah. So there is there are people that are turned on by so that is one of the things that I offer actually is like degradation in the form of antifa. Mm-hmm. Um so that was one of his interests as well. So it can you just see how that's a super irritating I like mean, mixture that's of very things? difficult. This is very specific and it I mean, <laughs> unless he is paying you like thousands and thousands of dollars. And he wasn't. Like, we were literally just texting. Yeah, it's um, like, that's just so many demands. And so it's not, none of those um, interests individually are things that I think are bad or wrong or even mm-hmm. weird, particularly. Mm-hmm. But um, this is what I'm talking about with fetishism is, like, it can be very, very specific. Like, the ways that we would text together would be, um, it would be the same scenario over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. this, this, like, this narrative of... Um, yeah, the force to wear the tights so and the blackmail and all the, the things. Yeah, the smelly feet, the tights, the blackmail, the getting a boyfriend, then the uh, tea, or yeah. the, sorry, the um, estrogen shots. The, I the guess, estrogen, and yeah. yeah. Um, that only came up, like, once, but nonetheless, it did, yeah, he did mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, um, so the, this person in particular, like a month into us talking, he had already been starting to be, he had already started to be very demanding of my time. Um, He'd started to be very demanding of your time. He had already started being very demanding of my time and would get like mad if I wasn't on when he wanted me to be. Um, and if I wouldn't stay up late texting with him for hours. And then, so, and then like one day we were, we were texting and he mentioned um that he's into as he called them bbw like doms or something i can't remember what he said but i was like okay so you are specifically into being humiliated by bbw women and he Mm -hmm. said yes and i said oh okay why and he was like well um from my experience bbws have smellier feet wow um so fat people have smellier feet. Fat people smell. But that's not even an uncommon, like, that is a stereotype that I think exists in society that people, that mm-hmm. is a trope that people play on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I said to him, I'm actually not comfortable with that dynamic, mm-hmm. um, to which he was like, oh my God, you're so sensitive. Like, you're not, like, you say you're into all this extreme stuff, like, like, I don't want to work with you anymore because like wow. you're being so sensitive. And what I was a like, trash person. Okay, it block. Like, <laughs> it sounds like he was being very sensitive. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously being really sensitive because he had so many requests that were the most niche. Yeah. Like he could not have been any more specific. Mm-hmm. And then he's getting on to you for laying a single boundary. Yeah. That's just. Yeah, people blows think my that mind. sex workers um, shouldn't have boundaries. And specifically, I think there is also this I think there was an underlying belief that, like, because I'm a fat woman, that um, I would be grateful for any yeah attention or anyone who would want to pay me there's that that perception and it's just it blows my mind yeah yeah so so that was one one example of that oh my gosh so um 
I want to go for like one more question in this in this episode because oh my god we have so much we can dive into but um can you just kind of list out the fetishes or the kinks that you have catered to that you've experienced personally and seen either within a within a relationship that you've had with a client or within your personal relationship or outside in the broader community can you just like list out some of the i don't know some of the ones maybe that people don't think about but you can start from like the more known ones okay um so um the way that i market myself and what i feel most comfortable with is actually um i'm really stimulated by people with complex sexual interests like mm-hmm. people that have really complex interests and needs and also like i um like to cater to people that you know want to you know they want to do edgy shit mm-hmm. you know they they might be ashamed to go to other people for certain things so yeah. like i'm definitely comfortable with pushing the envelope so i do you know get people that um you know want to explore things that some other people might think is a little bit more taboo one of not everything I do is taboo, but like I do get people that, you know, like to you know, like delve into some taboo content. Like um, I get a lot of people that are into age play um, and specifically dark age play. Um, and for those who don't know what dark age play is, um, that refers to, or I guess I should define age yeah. play as well, yeah, right? Define both so things. age play and or age regression refers to um, a sexual or it doesn't even necessarily, for many people, it's not sexual. Um, it's a desire, um, whether sexual or non-sexual, to inhabit um, an energy or a space that is um, traditionally younger, but I guess it could be older as well, um, than you are. So, mm-hmm. um, so you get to see like little thing. You get to see like littles. And yes, stuff littles. Like that. Yep. What is a little? A little is a person that um, basically. Um, derives pleasure or um in for many people it's just simply a part of their identity where they um they like to behave and have interests of um someone that is much younger than them so like a child so like a child like basically either role-playing or inhabiting the energy of a child yeah i mean Mm -hmm. you see like some of these like um bad like tlc type type uh reality things about like this girl wants to be a little. She's a little 24-7. Mm-hmm. She sleeps in a crib and she wears a onesie and wears mm-hmm. diapers and makes her boyfriend change her. Oh, that's so sweet. It's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and then there's also people who are adult babies, which is actually a little bit different. Mm. So, to me, adult babies are people who um, actually don't necessarily inhabit a little space, but, um, they, they like to dress up in diapers and things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not always the case, but for many people that I've met that are into adult baby stuff, um, it's more about humiliation for them. It's Mm -hmm. about being humiliated by being forced to wear a diaper and, like, do things that babies would do. Okay. Yeah, so I see, I see some adult babies, um Um, so wait what about the dark age play so dark age play generally refers to age play which we've defined that deals with themes that are considered more taboo such as um you know um sexual energy as a um you know role-playing as a young person so um 
or abuse or molestation mm-hmm. or things like that. So dealing with themes um, in age play that are typically considered more socially taboo. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have many, um, like, what do what role do you play in those typical um, scenes? So I've played, I actually had a really, really fun one um, the other day, which was actually pretty lighthearted and sweet. But um, so he wanted to pretend, he wanted to role play um, being a teenager who had a babysitter who was um, having fun at his expense by making him wear a diaper. Oh. Um, and humiliating him. But actually, there was no, I wasn't mean to him at all. It was like more lighthearted and fun. But mm-hmm. so I, but so I made him put on a diaper and I like told him if he wanted to like be a, a, gr- a big boy, he had to wear his diaper and like take a, a spanking from me or something oh. like that. Um, uh-huh. It's like you really have to be an improv genius to, <laughs> yeah. to be a great dog. Yeah, it is a lot of improv. It absolutely is. All the yes and. All the yes and. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're like, okay, so I want to be a baby in a diaper, and yeah. I also want you to put me in stockings. But that certainly is not the... that. To just say that that's what I do is like definitely not all of it. One other really um, unusual one that I that I love and I engage in is uh, clown play. Actually, oh, please go into the clown yeah. Play. So um, I've only had the privilege to work with one person in real time who is into clown play, but I have found him mm-hmm. and I want to keep him forever. <laughs> so he lets me um, paint him his face like a clown and, oh, wow. and I paint my face like a clown and we do fun clowny oh. things. Um, it's a lot of fun. What kind yeah. of fun clowny things? Also, you might be able to hear a rooster going on in the background <laughs> and we apologize. <laughs> but um, th- there's a rooster... Uh, Crowing? A cock crows. <laughs> yeah, I think it's you know, crowing, yeah. Because I have a rooster right here, too. Wow. Well, you know what? Across the country, we've got roosters. We've got a uh-huh. lot of cocks. <laughs> so, um, talk about clown play. What does that actually look like? I mean, you, you said you paint your faces like clowns, and then, yeah. then what? Um, well, so with this particular person, I think that in inhabiting another ca- uh, character really helps him get into like a sensual space Mm -hmm. this person's very creative he's very quirky um and i think just having another character to perform as is very helpful for him so Mm -hmm. this particular person at this time we had just done like um corporal punishment so like spanking paddling caning Mm -hmm. it's basically like discipline like hitting is is corporal punishment um but a lot of people into clown play are also into what's called wet and messy, which is um, generally where you'll rub slimy things on yourself, like food or, I mean, you can do it with all types of things. But like specifically, like a lot of people into clown play are into having like shaving cream pies shoved oh, on their face or cream, cream pies. pies. Yeah. <laughs> um so I've done wet and messy with this person mm-hmm. um, in the past where he bought like hundreds of dollars worth of candy and sweets and food and um, put a drop cloth in his bedroom and like I had him roll around in it. Wow. It was pretty gross. Wow. So did you, so you just watched him roll around in it. You didn't 
have to roll in the wet and messy. No, but you get dirty when I mean, you're yeah. when you're because I'm like smearing the stuff on mm. him. So like it's very full contact. It is full contact. Yeah. I mean, some people who do wet and messy will wrestle in it and they'll smush their bodies together mm. in, in the mashed potatoes and rub it all and like yeah yeah. You don't want to mix savory and sweet generally that can be pretty disgusting yeah why Um, is that i don't know it just it's like when you're getting that much food on yourself and smearing it around um and you're mixing lots of different flavors and scents on top and then to add in salt it's disgusting so um, i can imagine it just makes me think of like vomit yeah it's it is vomity like it's mm. pretty gross. And there are, like, yeah. certain foods that just smell like a trash can. Right. Like bananas. <laughs> like, yes. Or papayas. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, what's that other, like, super smelly trash can fruit? Um, uh, durian? Durian. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, like, um, I think it was in, in Thailand... They have like signs on the trains that say you can't, you can't eat, eat durian. Mm-hmm. I've no heard durian of that. on the trains because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so smelly. It just is gonna smell like a garbage can. So what do you do to clean up after this wet and messy play? Oh well, that was at his house, so it was up so to him. And he cleaned it up. Do you ever have to clean up after a scene? Yes, um, but also I have my boyfriend do it usually. Oh nice. Well, I mean, okay. So can you talk a little bit of about your relationship with your boyfriend like is there is it a power differential relationship yes so um i've been with this particular boyfriend for a little more than two and a half years we are in a ds relationship where he is the submissive and i'm the dominant um and um he's basically my bitch i call him my trick bitch Oh, nice. I like yeah. this. Um, partially because in the past, like, he has seen, like, per other pro-doms. Like, he has seen sex workers mm-hmm. and is very supportive of sex workers and um, is very turned on by the idea of being, like, um, used and exploited by sex workers and mm. and being a little, like, uh, inanimate bitch just mm-hmm. around to do our bidding. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fun. That's amazing. Yeah. So, like, you use him to, like, clean up your stuff, and he's just, you know, your clean-up bitch. Yeah, I mean, actually... security bitch. And my everything bitch. Like, um, I actually don't do... I'm not expected to do any domestic uh, labor in the house. Um, he actually does... I will if I want to, but, like, it's not expected of me, um, which is actually really important to me. One of my... Um, main kinks is um, domestic service. Oh. Um, yeah. So. It's like having somebody else perform domestic service yes. for you. Yes. Oh, I like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, if, tell me if I'm wrong, but like whenever you first met him, I we were both in Baltimore, I think at the time, right? No. no? I had just moved to Philly. Oh, because I, I think I remember you talking about somebody who had come to clean your toilet. Was this in Baltimore? Person? Maybe it was in Baltimore. Maybe it was in Philly. Hmm. I don't think anyone cleaned my toilet in Baltimore because I hadn't explored my dominant side like that yet. Oh, okay. <clears throat> like so I, maybe I'm just like, you know, smushing the timeline Maybe. Together. But yes, he did come and clean my toilet. That did happen. Uh, yeah. That was like our first date. Was and he good at it? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> Such a disappointment. <laughs> 
Does he like degradation? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. So you could just be like, that was shitty. Well, okay. Not not all the time. Uh-huh. Like, now he's like, like... Really? He's like a person. <laughs> I mean, and he like, is a person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He likes it in specific contexts. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, he really liked it when we first got together because we weren't living together and it wasn't, like, expected of him 24-7. So I think it was easier to get into that erotic headspace. It's a different situation when you walk into it versus 24-7. So the dynamic has changed a little bit because we live together. Um, But he does love humiliation. He loves being objectified. Especially by women and by men too, though, because um, yeah. Does he? Uh, do you both like stay in the DS dynamic like twenty four seven, or is it just like do you take breaks? So um, that's an ongoing conversation between us. Um, I think there are elements of our DS dynamic that continue twenty four seven, but um, it has become over the years. Um, more and more, I'd say, relaxed um, because, you know, I, I think any relationship just shifts and changes. Um, and so we're in a more relaxed phase at the moment. But um, we are in a dynamic, so there are aspects. It's not like a scene mm-hmm. where it's temporal. Um, yeah. Like there. Also, could you kind yeah. of define a scene? I've been using that term. Yeah, but. absolutely. So, I mean, so a scene is um, a term that's generally used with kink people to describe um, a meeting where two people will engage in an activity, whether that activity is spanking or it's uh, like boot worship, which is basically licking someone's boots or cleaning or tending to their boots, or if it's. Um, it could really be any type of kinky or like normative sexual activity. Um, really? So it could be like vanilla. Or it could incorporate vanilla. I mean, I mean, if you really. If you wanted to just. You could. You could call it that. Yeah. I, I think it just. I, I personally probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some people who would because there are people who identify as in the bedroom kinksters. Okay. So. Um, but to me, scene is typically more so for, yeah, like more kink BDSM related things. So it's like the time when people get together and they say, okay, we're going to do this activity from this point to this point for this amount of time. And then it's over. And then we talk about it. Yeah. That's what a scene is. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for getting into this, but I have to take a commercial break. Absolutely. Here in Potomac, Maryland, we pride ourselves in our possum population. Most of all, Arnold, a red-bellied possum, our state pet. Arnold is the last remaining male of his population, but unfortunately, he's a bit shy. We've introduced him to other female red-bellied possums, but he doesn't seem to be interested. We did everything we could, waited until the females were in heat, constructed a nice private den for them to mingle, gently stimulated Arnold's genitals, and still no success. It is crucial for Arnold to spread his seed. We don't care how long it takes or to what lengths we must go. We will be here all month if we have to, but we need your help. If you are experienced handling possums and would like to help Arnold reproduce, please email us at thepowerofTouch.possum.org. Your hands could save a species. Donate your time today. Okay, guys. So we're reaching the end of our episode. 
Uh, Mistress Mia, where can we find you? So you can find me um, at my website, which is miaaction.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at @servemiaaction. Um, and you can find me on FetLife if you use that. And my username is also just miaaction. And that's M-I-A, action? Yes. M-I-A, and then the word action. Correct. Awesome. And we will include this in the bio. I am Selena the Stripper. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can find my Patreon and support this wonderful podcast uh, for $5 a month. Um, and that would be at The Real Pretty Boy Girl on Patreon. Clover, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Little underscore four, like the number. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. You got that. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Ho in the Know. And I hope that you uh, keep thinking about us thoughts. (laughs) All right. Bye bye. 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 More money. I want your money. I want more money.